Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. So it looks like cannabis lounges or the VIP rooms, consumption lounges, they're trying to woo customers in. Uh, there's different varieties of these. In Oregon, we saw a lot of these just kind of pop up. Um, they were event centers. They were a chance really for um, uh, brands to go and demonstrate. So they would rent the booth and they would be able to dab you out or give you some flour to try in their bong or whatever. And so that was kind of a vendor night, very, very popular. Uh, but in Oregon, they weren't allowed to sell food, uh, cooked food. So it's kind of like going into a handy mart. They had chips or a cake cup coffee or something. Really no way to generate revenue. It was $5 to, to get in. And so ultimately during the pandemic, unfortunately, um, a lot of those closed. So uh, that was too bad. Uh, but it, it does kind of bring to the point where what's the revenue model? Um, Washington State, we've got a Class C felony on maintaining and operating a marijuana lounge. So one of the most strict in the nation, whereas in Vegas, where I was just at for Weed Week, Planet 13 is going to be opening up a huge one. Vegas also wants to see alcohol. I think that's maybe pushing it a little bit too much. Uh, some just want the basic necessities, you know, drive throughs VIP sales area, consumption lounges. Um, maybe something else you've seen too in preparation for some of these lounges is a um, accessory shop, a head shop right next to your dispensary. So you might have, uh, and they'll tell you it's because of the taxes and it is, but it's also a better strategy for maybe having a vape lounge, um, cannabis consumption lounge next door. Does it really make sense if you ask a CPA to separate the stores and have, you know, your ancillary shop so that you can um, not have to pay the excessive taxes, right? So um, 280E, this tax provision is kind of the reason a lot of uh, people are saying that they're having these ancillary stores next door is so that they can sell uh, pipes without having excessive taxes. I think the other strategy behind that and maybe the real reason is that they're hoping that marijuana lounges will be available, only accessible to um, maybe the dispensary store owners first or those by close proximity. And so they're just trying to hold that location or whatever available until that happens. Uh, that's my guess. That's my theory. Otherwise, I think it's just bad accounting. I, I really, I've asked several accountants. And I don't think it makes sense to not have that all, basically paying double the rent. And it just doesn't make sense. doesn't add up. You're not saving enough on your taxes, selling all of those pipes per month to pay for a $5,000 a month or more um, facility. doesn't add up. And you've been hearing for a long time about people getting these deals together to buy a big lodge on four acres and they're going to have a, a shop and a consumption lounge and an operation like show it to me. Tyson said it, Mike Tyson said it before him. You heard it from um, Cliff Robinson. I mean, there's been a lot of people who've been talking about this marijuana resort, you know, this, this luxury resort thing, but build it first. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But you might have some of these legacy stores rethinking how they're doing it. So in uh, Denver, you've got Native Roots kind of rechanging how they're doing it, want to be more similar to Apple. Um, at, everyone's trying to do that, even with pre-rolls. You've seen Canada's, you open up all these boxes and you think that like some kind of Apple product is in there. It's just a pre-roll. It's like a box within a box, like a you know Russian doll. And then there's a, a dube tube in there. 
Um, but lots of people want convenience. They want it to look nice. They want that experience, whatever. And so there's a drive-through or there's, they're greeted by a bud tender who's going to greet them, uh, one-on-one consultations. I think it's a decent idea to get them out of the store using you know, iPads to, to fulfill customer orders and then having that up. I think that's, a, that's the experience that people kind of are looking for um, rather than a quick transactional one. It's, um, it's not what people want. Uh, it's, it's keeping a lot of people out of the store, as a matter of fact. As I mentioned, I'm working on a bill myself uh, to overturn a Class C felony on maintaining and operating a marijuana lounge in Washington State. And so uh, I've gone through several state bills, at least eight state uh, bills, um, and in some cases, uh, multiple within the state. California has a couple. They have one for San Francisco. They also have one for uh, the state itself. And so you're just kind of going through when, you, when you're trying to overturn a felony and you're trying to make cannabis consumptions a reality, there's a lot of things that you kind of have to look at um, that you don't necessarily um, haven't thought about, but you want to appease kind of everybody and think about a lot of those different things. So um, creating a description of, of what you want when you're writing a bill and also the use of the venue uh, and the consumption area. Um, we wanted to also add uh, applications, like who was going to be able to have access to that. We wanted to be open to everybody and not just exclusive for existing license holders with social equity to have uh, preference to that initially. Um, and then uh, you got to kind of have to have local people have their say. I mean, it's not great to have people blocking it like New Jersey, 75% were like, no. <laughs> Uh, but you kind of have to give it to the locals to make up their own mind. I've used a lot. I've utilized lobby days to go down to our state capitol and kind of talk to uh, senators and house reps and kind of get you know pick their brains um, and then just let them know that this is a revenue opportunity as well. A lot of them didn't know that the felony was out there. They don't agree with it, uh, but it really comes down to dollars and cents. Is it something that they should even care about? So you got to put in fees, um, give local options. There's handler permits um, in case you're uh, giving food because we wanted to open this up to as many revenue opportunities as possible to give each person the ability to stay open. And so uh, you got to have a food handler's permit in there um, and then safety. So just like a rec shop has their own safety, uh, they would need to have their own security and health safety standards. For the Washington State Liquor and Cannabis Board, they're going to be the ones kind of in charge of this. So submission to the Liquor and Cannabis Board is kind of what we had in there. And then depending on um, the sponsors of the bill and what they want, we've had additional things like an overdose prevention program um, to, you know, just put that in there if in case they want it. Um, we might have some pushbacks. There may be a temporary event license. So if somebody wants to consume somewhere that's not a registered um, rec shop, so for like um, hemp fest, they can get a temporary option to smoke outside in public without getting busted. Also tourism, um, you want to be able to smoke on a, um, on a tour bus or at a facility that would be included. Um, and then exceptions for public use. Um, responsible vendor programs, you know, that needs to be in there to get them out there um, and really just trying to offer um, opportunities to kind of get brands and stores and, and retailers um, 
the, the, the production side, the growers, all to give them a, a facility to kind of come in and showcase what they have for consumers as well as business to business. It'd be great for bud tender parties to kind of get everybody access to, to the product. So um, that's essentially where I'm at in terms of Washington State and trying to overrun, overturn Class C felony on maintaining and operating a marijuana lounge. Uh, something I've been working on since 2015 when I try to um, start the Seattle Super Chronic Cafe. Uh, and I did in 2015, was at Hemp Fest, I had a booth and then bam, the state just nailed me like two months after I launched. So the pivot was to spend most of my time in, in Oregon, catering and event planning, pop-ups, did that, but um, literally uh, rode the wheels off my, my uh, expedition. So that was kind of a, a good time to pivot and go and do um, more um, wholesale. So people were still looking for bean bags, but they wanted an ounce of shatter or whatever else. So I was working wholesale business to business. Um, and that turned into consulting and advising, um, business development, um, just kind of worked my way into where I'm at now. Um, so it's been interesting. I do want to kind of get back into this. Um, so I'm working with the Cannabis Alliance, a nonprofit to um, really kind of push this bill through and, um, you know, hopefully one state at a time. So Washington State will probably not vote on this for another year, 15 months. My guess is like March of 2023. So we're going to push this through right now. They're going to see it. It's going to go away. And then you got to resubmit it. Um, that's what we're, what we're looking at. So put it in, get it like in the forefront. And then they're going to say, we don't care. We know that. And then resubmit it same time next year. And then really push hard for the next two years. So not an easy thing to do. It's going to be like seven years and eight years in the making, but um, we're going to get there eventually. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network. Network.